Hey, I'm Pastor Corey. You guys good? Come on, touch somebody and say, you're looking good today. You are looking good. You made it out. I know it's snowing out there, guys, but I, I hate to break it to you. But you live in Alberta, and it's January. So be grateful for what we have had. All y'all winter lovers can go to a different church. I know some of you were planning on being here for the early service. But you woke up and looked outside, and you're like, I just can't, I can't even do that today. So, um, all right, we are starting a brand new series um, called uh, Money and Emotion. And today's sermon is called To Worry or Not to Worry. So uh, we're a practical church. You're going to hear practically what my dad taught me about finances and things like that. But if you notice, I don't know if the LED wall was glitching on this one. I always tell all of our production teams, and they know this because they've been here for a while, you know. Um, we're only like a seven. We're, we're coming up. Hey, we're seven years old. We didn't, we didn't celebrate our birthday. We forgot our birthday. Oh, I totally forgot. We should have a party or something. Um, anyways, um, but every time that we ever, I ever preach a sermon series about money, um, all the equipment breaks down. And back in the day when our equipment was held together with duct tape, that was one thing. Now we have three of everything and it's all three of them break down. So, um, so it, it's always a thing because, because the enemy is trying to distract you from doing something that might be one of the most powerful things that you can do in your life. Uh, and that is, uh, bring your resources into the hands of the Lord so that the Lord can bless you. So, um, I don't think worrying about money is good. And I, I just want to kind of shoot something out here, um, but I do also think, like, realistically, some of your financial situations are worrying. <laughs> so, like, let's be honest. Like, some of it is not great. Uh, some of the things that you bought last year, you're like, what was I thinking? And your wife was like, what were you thinking? Um, but listen, God doesn't want his kids worried about money. And so, um, because we don't want you worried about money, and uh, we want you living in the blessing of God. We're offering you a financial freedom. Uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Freedom University is starting this week. I mean, that is the best thing that you can do. Of Like, you know, it's time. We just got to get our finances in order. Um, that's great. Um, Pastor Aaron and I did that, uh, I can't remember, like uh, seven or eight years ago, maybe? And, and our one regret financially is that we didn't do it earlier. But we didn't know anybody who had done it earlier. So we offer it every year here. So do that. Uh, give it a year, then give it two years and watch the multiplication happen in your life. So that is um, kind of going through the whole gamut. That is like the thing that you can do that will will solve it absolutely. I'm just going to do like a, a four-part series um, right now, kind of about it and talk about why we freak out about it. Also, if you're new to faith, you're coming back to faith. Uh, our Alpha small group is starting up. All of our small groups are starting up. And if you're not in one, get your phone out and the QR code at the back uh, of the chair in front of you. Sign up for a small group right now because I can preach these things. God can get it to you. But then if you're not in a small group, the small group is what helps you keep the relationship and keep all the things that God wants to do in your life. And so that's really where we do life together. As the church gets bigger, that's where it gets smaller and that's where we can really care for you. So um, also, this is exciting. If you're in business, um, we're going to be starting a legacy team here in a couple of months. And a legacy team are business people who are like, I want my resources to matter eternally because God wants to do something like, I would say magical, but, but supernatural in your business. But when we marry business with the vision of the church and the rescuing of people, there is something incredible that happens. So, so Scott and I are kind of working on this legacy team of like, let's marry business with the vision of the church. As you can tell, we need a bigger church. So it's like, if we don't have bunk beds, we can't rescue more kids. 
And so there's this idea of like, what could happen when that, because God also wants to like, let your business on fire too. So if that's interesting, you talk to Scott about that and we'll let you know about that. Um, yeah. Uh, also in good news, this is good news. It's not bad news. Fasting and prayer starts tomorrow. So starve something, starve up several somethings. Several people are clapping. The others of you are struggling with this. And that winter is happening at the same time now. Um, starve some things so that God can feed some things in your life. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Go on version, find Venue Church, and join the Bible plan uh, that we're all going through together. So we would love that for you. Okay, money and emotion. Thanks, Sean. To worry or not to worry about uh, money. I'm going to be approaching this. Um, this will save a lot of time. Is that I'm going to teach you about money the way that my dad taught me about money. And the way that I taught my daughters about money. So I have, my kids are all serving here, but my daughter Arwen is there. My daughter Arwen is 21 right now. And she's doing very well financially. I didn't give her any of it. She's, God is blessing her life. I mean, it is evident to everybody around her. I'm a little jealous. Um, but the other side of that is when my father taught me about money, um, he just told it to me straight. Now, I can't remember being a kid and being like, oh, what do you want now, dad? You want all my money, don't you? But I think we're like that with God sometimes. We're like, okay, God, now you want... No, generosity is only part of it. But you got to understand that as I'm teaching my kids about resources, I'm like, this is what will set you up to succeed. I don't need your stuff. I got lots of stuff. I don't need... But I charge them room and board. Why? Even in, in elementary school, I did. <laughs> Why did nobody think about this? No, obviously not. <laughs> but they're like working, you know. And they, but if you want to live in the house, like room and board costs money. I am not doing it because we need it. We're doing great. I'm doing it because she needs to do it. Because it's good for her and her future to do that. And these are some of the things. So if you can just tell me like, okay, pastor's trying to help us. He doesn't want the money. He doesn't, you know what I'm saying? If you can just like, oh, explain it to my satisfaction. My dad, when he was teaching me, he's like, this is going to set, set you up for success. When God is teaching you about it, he doesn't need your money. Have you figured that out? God doesn't need your money. But the people around you are affected by it. You are affected by how you spend it. So this has to do with you and uh, your purpose on this earth. So, um, so just help me preach this a little bit. Here's the thing, though. Money can be emotional. Um, it shouldn't be, but it can be because I think money is a tool, and I'll get into that in a second. But the tool builds something that's emotional. A life saved is worth everything. That's emotional. But how we handle money as a church it's just money. It's just a tool. We put it in the hands of God. So, but I'm like, but what it does is incredibly emotional. So, um, my brother was one of those. Did, did anybody have siblings who were like cheapskates? Now I'm the eldest. Do we have any eldest sons and daughters in the house? Okay. We're a generous people. We love the Lord. We had to raise our siblings and they grow up with like everything handed to them. The silver spoon in their mouth. Oh, let me chew your food for you. And baby, Mama bird it to you. Like, oh, is there anything else that you would like? So my brother, my brother grew up and my brother never had to fight at school because if I ever caught some kid picking on my brother, that was the end of, I know this is a new day now, but I'm just saying that's the, you know, I'm like, so there's this thing in my brother. I walked past his room one time. We lived down in the, in the basement of my mom's house and, uh, his room was across the hall from me. And I could hear him one time from my room going, Oh, he was having a dream. Like, Oh, for him, it would be a nightmare. Cause this is what I heard him like, Oh, dad, where's my money? 
And that's weird for a junior high kid. Right? I'm like, you cheapskate. You even dream about this. Like dad needs your money. Like you have any money. One time we were playing Monopoly. Is that still a thing? Monopoly? Okay, so we were on a road trip to, to Manitoba. And we, we are playing Monopoly all the way there. And my dad always taught us buy property, right? Like buy property, buy property. Buy. Now, for some reason that day, I was cursed. I could not get a set of anything. So he had one set and I had all the other property and he had one set and he put hotels on it. And every time around, it's like the devil just cursed me. And I landed on those hotels and I offered my brother like triple, quadruple of the worth. I'm like, I just need a set or I'm going to like slowly bleed. And I offered him everything I could offer him. I'm like, here, I'm offering you five incredible properties. Just give me one thing that completes a set. And he would not do it. And I got mad and I hit the board out of his hands and all the pieces went like we were literally playing this in the car. And I have not played Monopoly until then because my brother emotionally wounded me. When we were kids, um, he was about three years behind me in school. And uh, so I was in high school at the time and I uh, worked for a living because I'm the eldest. And, um, so I had a summer job and we had this, and I, uh, this idea, like we should build a basketball court in the backyard. Mom and dad had a, a big property. And so we should build a, a basketball court in the backyard. So like straight up concrete basketball, painted lines and everything. Now, I don't know if this was my idea because the ironic thing about all of this is I'm terrible at basketball. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why I'm terrible at basketball. So, so the whole cost of it, dad's like, I think the number was $1,800. You know, uh, now it would be like $87 million, but back then it was $1,800. $1,800 will build this basketball court for you. So I spent the whole summer working, all of my summer income after I gave my 10% back to God, all of my summer income was $1,500. And I spent the whole summer income on that thing. And my brother stole $300 from mom's purse probably. <laughs> now here's one of the reasons why I'm not good at basketball is because I spent the whole summer getting better at working for a living. And my brother spent the whole summer getting good at basketball. Now, I want you to, to pick this up, though, because in my heart, in our family growing up, I was happy to do that for him. I wasn't angry about it. I wasn't, I, I still feels like he owes me like 700 bucks or whatever. But no, really, though, like I wanted to bless him and I had the job and had the ability to earn more money. And would he do the same for me? Absolutely. He would not, <laughs> but it didn't matter because it was just like a good thing to do for family. So that's how I want to approach this is like, this is family. And uh, we, we're going to think about it uh, like that. Now there was no strings attached to that. So when strings start getting attached and, and it starts getting emotional. Now, you know that your family, there were strings attached to money. Like, oh, I'll do you this favor, but you owe me. So, but in my family growing up, um, my mom and dad, and I'll explain where God broke the, the love of money off of their lives. But my mom and dad, my dad told me one time at Christmas, and this is, do you guys know Pastor Richard? Like he's retired, but we call him Pastor out of respect. So Pastor Richard is the most practical guy and the most generous guy. So he said to me, I don't know if he's in here right now or if he's in the prayer room, but he said to me, he said, son, if I buy you something for Christmas, turn around and sell it the next day. I don't care. What he's saying to me is stuff that I give away is not mine anymore. Do whatever you want with it. It's never going to be a string attached to anything. It's just stuff. 
I don't want my daughters marrying young men who, I don't want them marrying boys. I want them marrying men, by the way. And there will be a venue church gauntlet that you will have to run (laughs) that you may not survive. However, I want them marrying young men whose God isn't stuff. So that when they have to choose between my daughters and their stuff, it's never a choice. And so, um, but, but the reason that my mom and dad have such a healthy view about resources is that um, this table has a lot of fingerprints on it. We should probably clean that. Okay. And by we, I mean Chad. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> my mom and dad, um, they went to, they had uh, incredible careers in uh, east of Edmonton, a little town east of Edmonton. You know that there is just about twice as many people come to our church as the town that they grew up in. So they, God called them to move to Los Angeles. Now this is in 1981. This is before the internet and cell phones. This is like the only thing you know about Los Angeles you found in an encyclopedia. And most of the room doesn't know what that is. Paper, pictures on paper. So there was no emails. There was like the only way to communicate with somebody was call somebody on the phone long distance for $47 a minute, which was like $47 billion back then, or write a letter and put a stamp on it. And some of you don't know what that is either. So this is a big, scary move from my parents to move. My mom was like one of like the premier school teachers in the whole area. My dad, uh, during wage and price controls, it was illegal to give somebody a raise. So his company kept redefining his job position and doubling his salary year over year. So that's how valuable he was in business. So, so they came from a, not a financially secure position, but a, we have way too much position. And God's like, Hey, I want you to leave all of this, go to Los Angeles, go to Pasadena, California and serve a missions organization and eat through your savings to do it. So, cause they couldn't legally work there. My dad actually started working full time for a little church there that ended up planting them back in, in Alberta, a little church there for, I think it was $25 a month. Now, some of y'all would love that because you don't like going to work. It's cause you're not a cope. That was a huge breaking in my dad's life where he went from like, I can always provide for my own. I mean, the cope, you, you got to understand something about the copes. Um, one of the cousins was getting married one time and one of my aunts is like, so how many jobs do you have that are full-time jobs? Cause if it's only one, that's going to be a problem here. You think I'm joking. That conversation happened. Like how many jobs do you have? Oh, um, so they went from a, you know, dad's very competent family. Like I take care of my own. I take care of my own to this place where sometimes there wouldn't be food in the fridge. And they had to learn how to live where God is supplying for them. And, you know, there wouldn't be food in the fridge. And they'd be like, what are we going to do? We don't have food for breakfast. And there'd be a knock on the door and somebody had left an envelope of cash on the door. Now, some of you would love that. <laughs> because, again, you don't want to work for a living. And that's a problem. But this is a massive breaking where, where God broke the love of money and the fear around money and the worry around money off of my mom and dad's life. So... So I grew up without any worry that God was going to supply for me. That is probably not how you grew up. And I want to tell you uh, how to get to that place where, where God does that. Now, do you know that you know that you know that whatever happens tomorrow, it's going to be in God's hands? Because right now, it might not be in God's hands. Actually, your tomorrow might be in your hands. 
But do you know that you know that you know that it's going to be in God's hands? Financially, food, your children's education, your marriage, your friends. I mean, like your morality, addiction for you. I'm talking about like, do you know that you know that you know that tomorrow is going to be in God's hands? That no matter what happens, it's going to be in God's hands. Now, here's what I would say. If you don't know Jesus, I would worry about that. You have a lot to worry about. But if your life is in the hands of Jesus, if you've never like given your life to Jesus, you need to go to the prayer corner afterwards and have somebody pray over you and let's do this. You know, there's a young man who's coming here today. I don't know if he's here right now. He's like, I'm giving my life to Jesus tomorrow. He's like, and I never thought that a guy like me would be in church. And I'm like, I hear that so often. I think it's hilarious. Okay. Now here's the thing about money. Money is a tool. This series is about putting the tool in God's hands. Money is a tool. So in very practical ways, we're going to go through some things like budgeting. There's no magic number that you can make that you can earn that will make you feel secure and happy. There's no magic number. I heard of a a pastor who uh, one of his business people sold a company for hundreds of millions of dollars. And he's like, and they were still worried. They're like, well, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And he's like, are you kidding me? I I make pastor money. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? There's no magic number. And it's not what you make. It's what you spend. And if there's a hole in the bottom of the boat, there's no magic number. So we're going to talk about budgeting. And even if you're a nerd and, you know, like Scott and Renee, they're nerds. They're like, oh, we love budgeting. Oh, we love spreadsheets. We love paper. We love numbers. So, but they will still tighten their budget up because it will bring greater blessings. So every time we do this, I'm going to be talking about generosity. You're not on this earth to receive. You're on this earth to give. And if you're not in the giving thing of what God wants you, that's your purpose and your destiny is to connect people with God and people with each other. So that does take resources and that's generosity. And then I'm going to talk about legacy. We live in a 24 hour news window and we live in about a one week consequence window. Meaning like I'm snatching, I'm eating a lot of ice cream right now. And in a week I'm going to be super sick. What if you're not even thinking about the next generation or the generation after that or generations to come? The reason that we are in society in this crazy immoral place is because our forefathers weren't preparing us for it. Maybe everything that passes through your hands You need to start thinking like, how will I eternally affect my children's generation and their generation? How can we actually make a difference that reaches into eternity with our resources today? So that's going to give you a vision that maybe you've never even thought of. Um, But how to handle it all properly is a skill. You know, like if you're a good parent, you're not a good parent because you just woke up and there's no good parent babies. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this baby's a good parent. No, the babies are babies, right? There's no... A friend of mine's a plumber in the first service, and I was making fun of him because I'm an electrician, and that's what we do. Um, And plumbers are easy to make fun of. But here's the thing. There's no plumber babies. You know, no babies come out of the womb and are like, that baby's a plumber. The baby's like, crap runs downhill, you know, which is basically your plumbing apprenticeship right there. There's so many things I want to say. I was in a trade school and somebody has an electrician had scratched in pull for plumber's ticket on the toilet paper holder. Like that's how easy it is guys. Just like, and, uh, the, the next year we assume it was the plumbers because they had scratched out plumbers and wrote in electricians, but it was so poorly spelled that I could hardly make it out. All right. But listen, it's a skill. Every tradesperson, everything that you do in your career, somebody taught you how to do that. Who taught you about money? Was it somebody who knew anything about? Was it God? If anybody else taught you, then all you have is their skills, but you don't have the skills of heaven. You don't have the supernatural blessings of heaven on what you're doing. And that's what we're going to do in this series. So um, 
My dad taught me biblical foundations about money. The first thing he did was he took emotion out of money. Now, money shouldn't be emotional. It's a tool. It's very practical, but it builds something that's very emotional to us. And we'll talk about uh, how Jesus describes this, and it'll make sense to you. But my dad, he, this is how practical we were in our family. Um, we would sit down for dinner. I'd be in high school, me and my brother's in junior high, and dad would say, okay, boys, so if mom and I die, uh, this is what our will says. And for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, we would talk about mom and dad dying and what would happen. Until my mom finally is like, can we talk about something else, you know? Um, so that was practically, I mean, does that sound like a weird home? Like, did your home talk about stuff that practical? My dad's like, so here's what's going to happen. Uh, this is the executor of the estate. I'm like, I would like to be the executor. And dad was like, no, I don't even know now. Maybe I am the executor now. If I am, Ryan's getting nothing. Um, no, I decided a long time ago. I'm like, dad, I said, for... This is how practical our family is. I'm like, Dad, God has blessed our family. We don't need anything. I'm like, give it to the church. Give it to the poor. Buy tacos. I, I don't care. It's yours. Do whatever you want to with it. Bless the Lord. I, I don't care. You know, so there's this thing of like money doesn't own us. It's just a tool. So, um, and he taught me how to partner with the Lord. Um, but this conversation will probably bring up some things that are more emotional about it, uh, for you, but I, I want you to be in a place where you're like, Hey, it's just a tool. That's all that it is. We don't need to feel emotional about it. And I want to take the worry out of your future. Um, it's not me doing anything. It's really God doing that. So some of us, um, we get very emotional about things. I don't know if anybody remembers the great toilet paper scare of COVID. <laughs> COVID taught me that people are a lot dumber than I thought that they were. And I'm like, the toilet paper scare. I would get calls from Costco, and God bless Pastor Aaron because she went shopping in COVID the entire time. I didn't go shopping one time. I went one time, and I'm like, why is there an arrow on the floor? Well, you could only walk in that direction. I'm like, there's nobody in this aisle. And what I want is right there. And Pastor Aaron's like, you can't. It's breaking the rules. And I'm like, you can't tell me not to lick doorknobs. That's what I'm going to do. You can't tell me. If I want to get sick, that's what I want. And so, and so I'm just telling you, like, so Pastor Erin's a hero. She's my hero, except for she would call me and she'd be like, they just put the toilet paper out at Costco and there's like a rush. Like, should I get extra? I this still makes no sense in my brain. COVID didn't use more toilet paper. Humans did not use more toilet paper if they got COVID. Some people are still using COVID toilet paper. You kicked your kid out of the bedroom, made him sleep in the garage and he's... That's the toilet paper room. What was it that made it so emotional? It's just toilet paper. The first thing I did because of my dad and God's teaching, the first thing I did is like, I don't want to, why would, why would I take my neighbor's toilet paper? So I told the church, I'm like, why don't you give toilet paper away? Why don't you be like, hey, if you need toilet paper, come to my house. There's probably other ways. I said that in a sermon and you're like, are there? I'm like, I thought about it. I'm like, there's probably, I mean, the dumbest, that's probably the dumbest thing of all the dumb things I've ever heard is the toilet paper scare. You're panicky about something that has to do with your stuff that God is like a little embarrassed by. Matthew records Jesus saying these words, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be, will be also. 
where your treasure is, where your time and resources, this is, what he, this is what Jesus is saying, where your time and resources go, your heart goes. Oh, he's like, time and resources are not emotional, they're just tools. Where they go, your heart, your emotions, your love goes. You have control over your heart. I can't control my heart. Oh, absolutely you can control your heart. Where your time and resources go is where your heart goes. Well, I just wish I loved the Lord more. That's a good one. Where your time and resources go. I just love my kids so much. No, you don't. You don't pay any bills. Practical. Money directs emotions. Why do people go on like playoff runs when their teams and they go into debt when they don't have any money and they're taking like, you know, kids' education money or grocery money to go on these massive playoff runs? Like go on a playoff run with your team if you've got money. But why do people, you're watching some people, you're like, they don't have any money. They don't have two nickels to rub together and they're going to do this at the expense of their own family. Why do they do that? Because they've already put their time and resources there. Their heart is there. Where your heart is demands more resource. Well, that can be dangerous if it's of the things of this world that don't get matter, that, are, that don't matter. I don't know if you figured this out, but you're renting everything that you have. Can you take it with you anywhere after? Oh, you're just renting it. It's just temporal stuff. Why do people love their trucks so much? I didn't say, I didn't say cars or motorcycles, you notice. <laughs> because you invest in it. That's where you invest. That's what you love. That's what you care about. That's what you watch. My, uh, some of y'all love decorating. Some of y'all love knitting. Nobody does that? Your wife knits. Yeah. It's a problem. I've watched her. Grocery money. <laughs> my, my grandma had, uh, when she passed away, she had 300 teapots in a, in a, you know, in a house the size of my office. Well, maybe a little bit bigger. 300 teapots. That'd be great if you had 300 friends who wanted to drink out of different teapots. Why did she have 300? Because she bought a few, and then she bought a few more, and then she bought 300. So <laughs> I have uh, 100 of them in my office. Right I already said after being sick this last time, I'm like, I'm not drinking tea again as long as I live. I'm going to stick to coffee. <laughs> Money also represents the control of relationships. Whoever controls the money controls the company. Whoever controls the... So your child should not be in control of the money. Like, let's get our four-year-old to go through the books, you know. Will he want us to buy more ice cream? The answer will be yes. So that's not good. Mom and dad should really be in control of that. But in a marriage, this is the beautiful thing about a godly budget, is that I don't think either of you should really be in control of the relationship. Now, I believe that a man is ultimately responsible and ought to be leading and sacrificing more than anybody else. I believe that God set that in place. And like, when I'm, if your family breaks, I'm coming to you. I believe that you, you're responsible. And, and I love this church because godly men are rising up to lead and strike a blow at the enemy and protect their wives and children. Can we say amen, Venue Church? Look, if the men go down, everybody's going down. So like I'm saying, that's what the devil did is try to take men out of society. However, I don't think that we should be in control of the relationship. Oh, no, no, no. When you have a good godly budget where God is in charge of that budget, then it's like a mutual submission thing where it's like, no, this is what we said we were going to do. I'm going to submit my desires right now for what I said I would do. God is now in charge of it. That's what he wants. God actually wants to be in charge of your home too, by the way. 
Now, the great thing about financial management is when you learn it in the church, people pay the financial uh, management resources available for you in the church here are totally free. If you would pay business consultants, and I've talked to friends and business people who have done this, you will pay a lot of money, like thousands of dollars every month just to consult in business for something that the church will do for free. Why do we do it for free? Because we're family. Because I'm not charging my kids to tell them how to handle money. You know what I'm saying? So like, we're not selling you anything. We're just like, Hey, we just want you to do this so that you could be blessed. So, um, some people, when they come in here and they've never been to church before, they're like, Oh, we've been looking for this financial management and business. Like we've been looking for this our whole lives. It's all free here. We're like, yeah, of course we love you. God loves you. Let's go. Um, now let's get into our, to our main scripture. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Now watch the language here. Either you will. Now this is strong. Hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So you cannot serve both God and money. Well, here's what I want to say. If you're not serving God, you might be serving money. So you're like, oh, no, I don't make like an altar to money. Uh, you burn money at the altar of things. So wherever you burn money, that's where your heart is. I can look at your bank account and be like, oh, that's what you're serving. But money is like the thing that you sacrifice. So it says there, either you will hate the one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. He's like, there's no really middle ground here. If you love anything but God, you will end up hating God. Like, that's what he's saying. Like, look, either God is in charge and you, you hate the other things that want to be masters. You hate all the things that the devil parades and all the distractions and all the, you hate all of that stuff and you love God or you're going to love one of these things and hate God. But he's like, you can't do both. So old Israel, you know how the devil tripped them up? They would come in with their worship of Yahweh and they would, you know, that's why it was so important to purge the land of idols. But what would happen is some of these idols would remain and then the devil would just start whispering like, hey, it's good. You keep serving Yahweh, keep going to church. But uh, if you want your crops to grow, you'd better worship the God Baal. If you want to be sexually satisfied, you'd better worship Ashtoreth, you know. If you want long life and health, well, let's just supplement Let's just supplement, but God is all consuming and God is all sufficient and there is no one like him. And you can't do both because you'll end up hating the God who is all things. Also, none of the other things work. Jesus said, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food. He's like, if you serve any other God, death is coming. Death to relationships. I mean, if you grew up out there experimenting with stuff and you, your life hasn't been lived in the hands of God, you know the death comes. You know the death to relationships. You know the pain. He's like, but life, isn't life more than the food and your body more than clothes laden? That's what my Bible says. And then he says this, can any of you by worrying add one hour to your life? Some of y'all professional warriors you honestly think that you're doing God a favor you think you're doing God a, you think God needs you to worry about stuff I'm going to talk about this in a sec I think that worry you ready I think worry is unresolved fear now there's some natural fear that you ought to have like don't do you guys know Emil from church the big South African guy 
I mean, if you need a body disposed of, or 50 bodies, like he's the guy. <laughs> I'm just telling you. By experience. Um, now, when I was a kid, you didn't pick on a guy like Emil. You acted differently around a guy like Emil. That's good, healthy fear. Everybody say amen. Does that make sense? I'm like, I will cut. If you're closer to my size, I will cut you apart in sarcasm. But Emil, I'm, I'm just like, I like you. You're a great guy. I need, I need your protection. Um, so there's healthy fear. But this is what happens. Worry is unresolved fear. And this is, so what about tomorrow? And your fear of tomorrow. Or something happens to you. You walk out of here, something happens to you. That fear can do two things. The devil would love to turn it into a pipeline where you worry and it puts the tools into your hands. But God would love if fear, because fear sometimes is just like, God, I need you right now. Like, oh my goodness, I can't do this right now. So that's not a bad thing. It can, you can build a pipeline to trust in God. And say, if it wasn't for the great fear that I felt, if it wasn't for that moment when my life was exposed, if it wasn't for this, I wouldn't have run to God. Because I need you. You're the only one who can save me now. Because worry leads to the trap of personal control. Worry about anything accomplishes nothing. It just steals from you. Watch. Do not worry, Jesus said. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And then he says something that was going to shock the Jewish population. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. They run. The devil just wants you to just keep running. Just, he will get you on a treadmill. Just keep running. Just keep paying bills. Just go buy more furniture that you just put on the credit card. Just keep running. Just keep running. Just keep, maybe you'll be happy if you buy the next thing. Just keep running. Just keep running. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. And Jesus just called us pagans. Like, he's like, if you worry, you are a heathen. You are a pagan. He's talking to Jews. He's like, you are Gentiles. And, and this is what he's saying. Like, he's like, I don't know how, how I can say this better, but like, you are devil-worshipping Manchester United fans. <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying. You could cheer for Liverpool, which is heaven's team. Or you could sell your soul for magic beans and get nothing. He's calling the Jewish population heathens. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, no. People whose dad isn't your dad, people whose dad is the devil, ought to worry about everything. How is it that you in this family are worried? Is your dad not God? You, are, you have given in to worry. You have let worry put control into your hands. That's what the devil wanted. It's not, your hands aren't big enough for it. They don't have your dad. But Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. So he's like, guys, all the things that you're worried about, like it's the easiest thing in the world for God to get that to you. You got to understand. You're like, but God doesn't know how much my transmission is going to cost. I don't know who you're talking about. God doesn't know stuff. The problem is, this is how I felt. God's windows of heaven with all his supply are like bursting at the seams trying to get to you. But the latch is on your side. And you're like, but God doesn't know. God's like, oh. You want to accuse God of not preparing for his own children? 
of not providing for his own kids. He's like, the latch is on your side, dude. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? It takes faith to pop that latch. Not need. Well, God knows that I need. God does, but faith is the currency of heaven. All those other things. This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, guys. He's like, <laughs> he's like younger, dumber brothers and sisters. This is what Jesus is saying. If you work for dad, relax. But you got to work for dad. If you work for dad, he'll take care of it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. It's God's word for somebody. For tomorrow, <laughs> I love these sort of statements. My dad raised me with these sorts of statements. For tomorrow, we'll worry about itself. What? The budget will balance itself. What? <laughs> I mean, that's like, it's, it's a weird little, my dad would be like, be home at 11. I'd be like, why? Because bad things happen after 11. And I'm like, that don't make no sense. Now what do I tell my kids? Like, bad things happen after 11. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, let me get a little emotional because this for me has no emotion attached to it at all because I think my tomorrow is in God's hands. And I want you to live your life fearless like that. That's not something that like, I, I do because I'm special. It's I, something I did because I was taught. But my wife, she's had worry about this, that I was talking to her. I'm like, help me preach this tomorrow. Cause I have a bit of a blind spot here. I don't know how to talk to most people. Cause most people didn't grow up with, I grew up with. So I'm like, what's the difference? I said, Aaron, what's the difference between you and Arwen, Arwen, who is now tra- teleported into the drum cage, Arwen, what's the difference between the two of you and how you think about money at that age? And, and this is what she said to me. Are you ready? This is what you said to yourself. She said, I grew up thinking, and I'm going to tell you why. Well, let me tell you why first. Her dad left, and her dad listens to some of these sermons, and I honor him. He's a great guy. He's doing better now, but he would have some regrets about this because he left when she was young. They got divorced, and then he wasn't there to, like, really care for his daughters and take care of them, teach them these things, and even pay for their needs. So Pastor Aaron said, this is what I grew up thinking. I have to take care of myself. Like, what's the difference between you and Arwen? She, she goes, I grew up thinking I have to take care of myself. You know what I want to say to you? If that's in your heart, it's a lie that you believe that you have to take care of yourself. Here's what I would also say. If you have to take care of you, God can't. Because you're sitting there. You're on the throne. If you're trying to fix everything, my daughters would do this. Like, Dad, come and fix this toy. And then they get their little hands in there to help me fix it. And I'm like, baby, go watch TV. Leave me alone. My hands, not two sets of hands. Well, it's my hands. My future's in my hands. You know why I'm not worried? Because I'm not taking care of me. God's taking care of me. You know why I don't have to defend myself? Because God defends me. Do you know why I don't think I have to provide for myself? I work for it. But you know why I don't think I have to provide for myself? Because God provides for me. I told a Christian boss one time, he was shocked. I'm like, well, no, it's not really you that provides for me. It's God that provides for me. It's God that provides for me. No, no, no. It's God that provides for me. But you got to work for your dad. Some of y'all need to get prayed for because there's some. Now, listen, there's three words that change that for you. I have to provide for myself. Got to take care of myself. Three words, three magic words that are going to change your life. Jesus says, your heavenly father. 
your heavenly father. Your heavenly father. That's a difference maker. No matter what happens to you tomorrow, it doesn't matter if God's driving the car. If you're with, when I was with my dad, I was afraid of nothing. Nothing bad can happen that dad can't handle. When I'm with my heavenly father, nothing tomorrow that happens is going to overwhelm me because your heavenly father is with you. That's the difference. So let's get our time and resources into the hands of God.